myself out. I am afraid of I'm terrified and paralyzed by I am deathly afraid of Welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast with your host, me, Ryan Perio. Hello and welcome to the Sum of All Fears podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Perio. This week, my guest is comedian and po- fellow podcaster, Miles Francis. Miles runs the Best Darn Diddly Review Show. You can check that out on wherever you listen to podcasts. It's a weekly composium of every Simpsons episode where they get an in-depth deep dive on what every Simpsons episode means to them. Also, he's an up-and-coming comic here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. In this episode, we discuss his comedy, the best darn diddly review show, and his fear of losing his mind, I guess would be the best way to put it. That's a very, I would say, existential crisis kind of fear where you just don't know what the future holds. You don't know if it's happening or if it isn't. It's a very interesting conversation. I hope you enjoy this episode. So let's get into it with my friend, Miles Francis. All right. We're here with my good friend, comedian and fellow podcaster, host of the Best Darn Deadly podcast, Mr. Miles Francis. Miles. Excited to be here, man. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Oh, I'm glad you did it. You just got done with a, your first virtual comedy festival. Is that like your first comedy festival period or? So that is my first comedy festival to perform in as a stand-up comedian. I have done other comedy festivals where I did a little bit of improv and I've also volunteered at several in the uh, previously existing Dallas Comedy House. But uh, that was my first time to do stand-up at a comedy festival and it was a unique and fun experience. Yeah, uh, they get better. I will say that (laughs) I, I know this year was a little bit, I would say... Virtual is the word I would use. <laughs> yeah. That's a very accurate, accurate description. But from all intents and purposes, from what you've said, you know, Wes Corwin and Brittany Goss and um, I don't who was the third? Uh, Tom. Tom Smith. Uh, Tom Smith. There it is. Skater Boy. How the hell do I forget the last name Smith? That's almost embarrassing. But yeah. Well, I, I, I was going to say Tom Skater Boy because I, I, <laughs> I, I saw his pictures from the 80s where he's doing melon grabs and all kinds of nifty skateboard tricks i'm glad he was able to pull himself away from tony hawk to help with the festival agreed (laughs) so when you when you did your first virtual comedy set like what were the nerves like because as a real comic it's like it's sitting there waiting to go up on stage like that anticipation starts to build like on a virtual comedy festival how does that differ dude so the comedy festival honestly went really well. Like, uh, like I usually hang out and like watch the comedy until like two or three before I go up. And then I will like pull myself off camera and just kind of like think about like, you know, how I'm going to start finish type of stuff. But, uh, 
I will say, like, while the Plano Comedy Festival went really well, I've done a couple of Zoom shows over the quarantine, and I've actually been heckled more on Zoom than I have been in real life. Uh, specifically, I got really, like, badly heckled at a show I did for a retirement center by an old lady who essentially was, like, trying to figure out where to buy drugs and, like, I was doing a set talking about some marijuana and she like interrupted me to ask if she could buy some. And like, it was just like, uh, she's so old. I didn't want to like be mean by any, like it, it would be like trying to be mean to your grandma. But at the same time, it was really frustrating because she clearly did not understand the concept of uh, stand up being a performance art and not a conversation. She was probably high. <laughs> How much do you get announced for sunny boy? <laughs> she's just a narc I... dude I, I offered to sell her some but the nurse lady in charge got really mad <laughs> that's a great <laughs> comeback alright Nana do you know how to <laughs> google me Nana <laughs> right I deliver baby it's fine that's hilarious that an old lady was like are you holding <laughs> are you <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> And you like, honestly, like at that point, it's like, I feel like I wanted to get it to her. Like she needed it. Clearly, uh, I didn't want to hold out by any stretch, but it was a Zoom show. And I'm pretty sure that she was not like, you know, within a reasonable driving radius. She would be the she'd be the slowest driver. <laughs> she would be stoned and old. That show is about three, four weeks ago now. So she actually might be here in the middle of this. I'm sorry if the doorbell rings. I'll have to take a quick pause. Well, like if you need to make money, I will. I will totally wait. We. I don't know what this pandemic has done to your career. So if you, <laughs> if you've turned into Breaking Bad, then by all as means. a comedian, it's pretty much destroyed me. As a pot dealer, it's put me on the map. <laughs> You're like the Jimmy Johns of weed, just freaky, freaky good. Hey, weed. and and I have free smells, dude. You can come by and sniff all day. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. <laughs> and I, I was just curious because when you said virtual, I was like, so how do you how do you get like you nervous for it? A, a virtual show is it like you know because there's such an added element. Is my stuff on? Am I muted? Am I? So that's also funny, actually. Uh, I I did a lot of online Zoom mics, which there's some some really decent ones. I'm not gonna again. I told you beforehand. I won't try to convince anyone that you can replace live comedy with Zoom comedy, but you can practice your comedy on zoom in a variety of different ways. And I I've been doing that more and more and like tweaking the background. Uh, we're actually, I know that people can actually, you know, see us right now, but I can show you like, I've been working with stuff like this, trying to make it looks quasi professional when I'm performing and shit. And, uh, Anyway, Zoom had an update the morning uh, Sunday, and I actually hosted a show on Sunday afternoon. So during like a week, two weeks, three weeks before the, the comedy festival, I'm testing all this stuff. I'm making sure it's working correctly. I'm trying to like calm that anxiety so I don't have to think about anything but comedy on the day of. The day I have to host the show... Uh, it's <laughs> like, there's an update on zoom. And for whatever reason, it went from being fine with my background. And I'm going to show you the secret right now. 
my background is super cheap. It's actually half a green shower curtain and half a green tablecloth. And they're not even the same color. Like they're both different shades of green. But like prior to the update, Zoom had no problem with this whatsoever. Post the update and during the show that I hosted, the entire time half of my wall was flickering green brick, green brick, green brick. And it was just like, I mean, like, Brittany West, Tom, they knew like I had done everything I could to prepare for it to to have it look nice. And it just is what it is. It's part of, you know, trying to do a show live or whatever. There's always going to be problems. But God damn it. I was so frustrated that like I'd spent all this time figuring this shit out. And then like the update made it so it didn't like my two different colored greens. Well, it definitely makes the brick look interesting on my end. Like it's like really light on one side, like it gives it almost a more authentic feel because they're left like on your thank you on your That's right shoulder over it's darker brick it's like one of the little rods on the spotlight on the left side is burnt out a little more than the one on yes. the right <laughs> so yes it does give you that old timey like hole in the wall like comedy cellar kind of feel Dude, that's all i'm able to book man i'm not headliner material yet i hope to be one day but i know my place and i'm 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 you know i'm filling spots at hole in the wall bars right now and i'm happy to do so <laughs> yeah they don't there's a, a guy i know on the the zoom mic circuit right now his uh, name is nico lukoff and he does a joke about how uh podcasting is just like a really complicated date with a specific topic <laughs> i would disagree i think podcast <laughs> I was like, yeah, I get it. I'm, I'm good with that. That's fine. I was like, it's not a date because those these people are choosing whether to listen to you or not. And so <laughs> I've kind of enjoyed it. It's been it's been a definite creative process. I know last time we spoke, I had only done like 10 interviews. Now I'm north of 30. But you have a podcast yourself called The Best Darn Deadly where you interview you have you inter- you have a guest or it's just you and your co-host where y'all talk about every Simpsons episode as you'll progress through the seasons I believe you're probably at season yes, that, 11 that is the form that my mental health has chosen to break down yes and so y'all y'all <laughs> got to be at season 11 at this point now right uh we're actually at the tail end uh mid to tail end of season 10 man what a season I know, man. So there's like a, like somewhere between like 21 and 25 episodes per season. This one's 23. So it's a it's a long process to, you know, it. we only get through two seasons per year at most, really, mm-hmm. if you think about it. So it's it's a really long process. And uh, we actually get make, made fun of quite a bit. Uh, I just had Mikey B, a uh, local comedian here. He was on the show to talk about the episode Viva Ned Flanders. And he spent a good amount of that, that episode roasting us. Cause it was literally like six months in the making. I'm like, Hey man, you want to do this podcast? And he was like, yeah, that sounds great. And then it's like, Hey, are we doing this thing ever? Are we, are we ever? And it's like, dude, I do one, one episode per week. It, it's a, it's a ride to get to the episode that you chose. So sometimes, you know, if I, for instance, if I book you at the beginning of season 11, to do an episode, it could be legitimately four to five months before your episode actually comes up. Yeah. And that's what I've kind of learned too, is like, oh, people are asking me about when their interview airs. And I'm like, well, let me explain. <laughs> I have done a lot more than I, I thought I would do. I would, I thought maybe I would have 15 interviews, 
but sure. I, I just got into it because there was no comedy. There was nothing else to do. And I'm like, boom, boom. And I wanted well, and to- it's fun. I mean, yeah. podcasting's addicting. It's a it's a really fun time. Yeah. And it's it's just interesting. Some of the things that I learned about people like Danny Gallagher, afraid of haunted houses. And so it was a real fascinating conversation. Like, there's just so many fascinating people I've I'm yet to interview. And I'm like, it's nice to have such a cushion that I can kind of pick and choose and not not feel like I have to do, oh, you know, I need to get in touch with Miles. Yeah. Well, and like as like COVID things, you know, go away and things start to, to go back to normal and in the position that you're in, you might have the opportunity to talk to some really cool people about a very specific topic that other people haven't really asked them about. Like, I mean, I'm not suggesting you take advantage of like the position you're in, but like, if you happen to be in a situation where you're able to like, you know, book some of these uh, top notch, top name comedians for your podcast, it would be really interesting to hear them talk about their fears as you, as you go along with your show. I want to get at some point these paranormal sisters. They do paranormal investigations. I was like, well, what are you afraid nice. of? Nice. What are you afraid of, Ghost Hunter? Obviously yeah. not ghosts, but, you know, th- I just feel like they would be really cool to talk to as far, too. I just don't want, I do, I'm, hard, I'm hard pressed to book like pretty big guests until I get some of these episodes cranked out so I can be like, dude, I have a, a friend. He's, uh, all right. So he's a uh, scare actor a paranormal investigator and a drag queen. I, I feel like that's a conversation you need to, you need to find out what makes that person tick. Apparently <laughs> costumes. <laughs> I was gonna say. Oh. They were, I swear to God, they work at uh, part-time at spirit Halloween too. <laughs> yeah. So which haunted house did you work at? I was in Piggy's bloodshed at six flags, fright fest at six flags over uh, Texas, which, mm-hmm. uh, Basically, the theme of that it was like the the most R rated uh, house at at Six Flags, and the theme of it was it was a barbecue restaurant where you were on the menu. Interesting. That's a. And I did play a pig at. I was at Hangman's. My ex. Oh, nice! Yeah, I, dude, Hangman's is fantastic. Let's see here. Let's get back on track about the podcast. This podcast is about fears and. Your fear is not one that, like, I would say is a phobia, as you clearly, you're clearly, you're keen on scaring people. <laughs> this one, I would feel is more like, I guess, as you said it best, an existential dread. That it's just yeah. a looming dark cloud that you don't notice until the sunlight's gone. and then you- Or worse, you might not even notice. Like, you might still see the sunlight, but the sunlight isn't there. Yeah. So go ahead and Miles and tell us what you're afraid of. Uh, more, I guess like the best way to describe it would just be like, I'm afraid of my own mental health deteriorating, like uh, be it Alzheimer's or dementia or, or whatever it is. Like, I mean, I feel like there's this inevitable like timeline, I guess, like, you know, to some extent, maybe it won't happen for a, a really long time, but if we plot this graph long enough that shit's gonna go away at some point. Yes. And I, I, that's one of my big fears because I have a really good memory. Like, I do most of my jokes from memory. I have, I don't do a lot of writing. And so it's like one of those things of one day I could just be like, I don't remember. And yeah. 
in in some ways that does happen because I used to be like I could memorize football players and certain things. I was a big sports nut, and so people would tell me who was the you know who played wide receiver you know in 1991 for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I could tell them you know it was you know this person and that person. Now a little harder it's like you i start thinking back i'm like because i used to go through all those football cards and stuff and i used to know all these names and it's like it's now it can be a blank and it's like is it starting now you're just lucky to remember if it was between the chiefs or the washington football team well i remember a lot of the washington (laughs) football team like i remember gary sand gary clark ricky sanders and art monk and so those those names come to mind. I, I totally I totally remember those guys. But it's like I used to be able to remember so much. And I'm like, man, did I just replace all that with other stuff now that I have memorized? Like, I take days off of my job and I can do my job from memory, too. There's a lot of things that I know troubleshooting-wise. If you tell me symptoms, my memory will tell me, oh, that's this. And so mm-hmm. I, will mem- I will immediately pull this out of memory. And every time I take days off, like, what if I start forgetting how to do that stuff? <laughs> what if it's not the same when I get back? Well, it's just one of those things of what is it? What if it just leaves me? You know, now yeah. I have to go look it up. And then two calls in, two calls into my job. I'm like, nope, still there. Still ingrained in the mind. Still yeah. got it. Dude, did you ever watch the show uh, Married with Children back in the day? Yes. There's this great episode where Kelly Bundy was on a game show and Al essentially discovered that she could actually memorize things perfectly, but she had a very finite amount of memory. And as soon as like she would remember something new, it would pop an old memory out of her head. And like, I kind of view like, like, I know this isn't accurate at all, but like, there's a part of me that thinks about like that as your mental health in real life. But like, the more you go along, the smaller and smaller that like, you know, holding cell becomes. It could be. Um, I don't believe so. I, I <laughs> there's no science that supports my, my theory yeah. for what it's worth. That that was just being stoned and watching yeah. Fox at the wrong time. Because I can go through my joke book and the way I have it written is I can look. It's almost like a book of clues. And if you read the clues right, you can figure out what I was trying to say. And then I can just I can make a joke out of it. And my big fear as a comic was that I would have to do. I used to try to write it out, but I'm like, then I'm going to have to do it like this every single time that every time I do my crock pot bit, I'm going to have to set it up this way, this, this, and, and I don't have to, I just basically have crock pot feels like someone cares about you get kicked out of my house two years ago. Just, you can almost give yourself like a roadmap or like uh, breadcrumbs from like Hansel and Gretel or whatever yeah. that like as long as you have like the basic idea of what you're trying to talk about, you can make it funny. Yeah, that's what I and that's how I write is I just write the main idea. Hell yeah, dude. 
And so it, it, I, I, that's how I, that's how I write as well. Like when I'm doing set lists and whatnot, it's usually like one word to remind me of like the like next two to three minutes of jokes. And I often laugh to myself thinking, speaking of mental health deterioration, someday somebody's going to like, I'm going to die and somebody's going to read all of my like notebooks full of things. And it's going to say like massage, Uber, marijuana (laughs) like you know like it's gonna have like a completely incoherent string of words that to me means a lot but to like average people would probably just be like oh he's been going for a while now we probably should have seen signs yeah and i i like doing it that main idea way so that when i'm on stage i have more of an organic conversation that i don't have to it's not a lines of a play i can I can kind of read the room and if something else is happening, I can call attention to that. I can say something that way. It doesn't sound the same way twice. I call that. And and maybe like, correct me, please. You've been in the game a lot longer than I have. If I'm stealing this, let me know. But I always refer to it as conversational conver- uh, comedy. Like if people ask me what type of comedy do I do, I always say conversational comedy because like my goal is to make you feel like we had like a, a conversation, but I just talked a lot more. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I call mine relatable. It's just I want I want to I try to find the what I call the root of why the root of why is basically how <laughs> I I go about it is like. What is the what is the main idea? What what is my real feeling? And I've just learned how to edit in my head before I write it on paper down to what's the real problem here. And so I've learned how to. It's kind of how I you know this whole podcast thing came about. Is I've been able to kind of like get down to the root of it, accept the fact that that is what my real intention is, even if you know it's something that if someone else were to ask me, I would get defensive about. It's, you know, this is the real truth. The real truth about crockpots is, is you're, you're lazy and you're an <laughs> alcoholic and <laughs> you want somebody to, you want, you still, you know, care, you know, even though you live this single lifestyle, you still hold out hope that somebody someday will want you. And that's how it comes across. And that's that's how I've always kind of approached this. Like, what is the real problem? You know, not the the low hanging fruit for you know funny crockpot you know things. You know, other basic parts of it. I wanted to get down to the real emotional. You know, crockpots are just water. Not what a crockpot does, but how a crockpot makes you feel. Yes, because it, it's kind of true. It's like oh. Yeah, it does kind of feel like someone cares about you because it's like a delicious <laughs> meal. It even dings when it's ready. Like, that's sweet. Yeah. It's so... I've... So I experienced your fear, you know, firsthand about five years ago. My my second grandmother passed away because she was kind of... She was always kind of mentally checked out like she was very flighty very forgetful very worrisome very very a lot going on up here but not a lot of focus of what's going on and so it was i would slowly see it getting worse and worse to the point where literally in a conversation with a nurse that came by to check her health like you know 
they showed him a clock. It's like a hands on a clock, like what time it is. And then they take the hands away. They talk for a few minutes and then she pulls it up again. So what time was those, you know, or like a minute later, she's like, so what hand, what time was that when I showed you? And my grandmother could not remember. Not a clue. Yeah. It's just one of those things where it was literally right through. Yeah. And so I think, I think mine stem from, uh, like I, I have family that has done that with the elderly, you know, you get old and again, I think on anybody's timeline, if you live long enough, it's going to happen to some extent, maybe not, not as much as others, but like the longer your life plot goes, the more likely you are to have deterioration happen. But mine actually happened. Like, I think my fear of it developed when I was much younger because, I grew up with parents where one was, in my opinion, an undiagnosed, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a medical doctor, but like probably schizophrenic, uh, possibly a severe bipolar disorder, but like to the point where my mother would like, like have visual audio, like full on hallucinations that things just were not happening. But like compared with uh, a father who like was like very much of the mindset of if it's not bleeding, it doesn't need to go to the hospital or doesn't need to go to the doctor. Like it's not a real injury or not a real thing. Like essentially like doesn't believe in mental health, uh, which is like a really toxic com- like combination for somebody that's growing up. And, uh, you know, I, I've uh, disclosed this with you in the past and I'll, I'm happy to say here, but like there was a point in my life, like probably between middle school and high school where I legit like would go through issues where I didn't know, like, was it me that's crazy or was it my mom that's crazy? Cause like my dad didn't believe that crazy was a real problem. Uh, cause you couldn't put a bandaid on it to fix it. But like, I, like when you, when you don't know, like you legitimately can't determine what is real or like, if you're the crazy one or if somebody else is the crazy one, it's quite honestly just terrifying like i i mean Mm -hmm. i remember it was like mentally torturous like for a a good number of years as a developing adolescent Mm -hmm. i i couldn't imagine that because then it's hard to make friendships because you have to bring them home to your mom and then dude and the like i i hate i'm sorry to cut you off but i I had you like touch already on like such a big point like i can't tell you how frustrating it was because to my friends my mom was really cool like she was fun. She would be like supportive of us, of us doing illegal things. Uh, like she, she drove us to like TP and egg houses sometimes. Like she was off for fucking rocker in terms of like a responsible adult. But my pair, I'm sorry, my friends, my colleagues would always be like, oh my God, your mom is so fun. You're, she's so cool. And then like when I tried to talk about like the other side of it, they didn't see that. So it like alienated me even more. And you're absolutely right in terms of, I didn't like bringing people to my house because it was really awkward and and uncomfortable. Yeah, because you know what's really going on, and they just see she's putting on she's putting on her best foot. Mm Hmm. Yeah, and like, dude, like it would be shit. Like, uh, like honestly, I remember times where, like, like again, you're like, I feel like you, like, did you live my childhood? Uh, like the like putting on like the face, man. Like that was so so true to what my mom would do. Like she was the type where. Like during the day and whatnot, like if a pillow is out of place, she would be like freaking out because if somebody came over, she had to have this like, uh, like what is a, the, 
the beavers. I'm trying to think of the mom, but like, you know, pearl ne- necklace, June Cleaver. Thank you. Uh, she'd have to have like this June Cleaver esque like uh, reception whenever anybody, even like a salesman or like an annoying like you know person that you didn't want to. Be, uh, if a Jehovah's Witness came to the door, she would still want to make sure like the house was immaculate, just because she would want to make sure she was putting on that impression. And I can't tell you how many times like everything would be great. My mom would order pizza. We'd be having a fun time. Uh, my friends were all like, "Oh my God, she's so cool and so fun." And then they'd leave, and she'd be like, "Your little bitch." friend was rude i can't believe you'd hang out with people like i'm like fuck like we were having a good time (laughs) can we go back to the good parts just yeah i mean like it was very unsettling like i mean i laugh about it now and i think that uh but that didn't help you fortunately it made me it made me funny like i think which is cool or hopefully um (laughs) but they didn't help you it it also made your fear worse because then you your friends were like they didn't see it and so now you're now you're really doubting now I'm like, fuck, am I the crazy one? Exactly. And so I, I get it. Like, it's, you don't understand. And then they all think you're crazy for calling your mom crazy. Yeah. And like, I can't tell you, too, like how many times I'm sure that I took ridiculous takes on topics because like when you're a kid, your your source of information is your parents. So if you're getting bad information, I know I know fake news is a popular hashtag in 2020, but back then I feel like I was living like this like I don't know, like beta test version of like the fake news situation because uh, when your parents are feeding you absolute nonsense, I sometimes I'm sure that I probably made an absolute ass of myself at school. Yeah. So it's almost like the water boy. <laughs> yeah. Alligators yes. are so ornery because they have all these teeth and no toothbrush. My, my mom, my mama said, "My mama, no, do- no doctor, you wrong." <laughs> so you you get it from your immediate family, like I like so I saw it at an older age where it was you know it it was kind of prevalent. Like we always joked that that was going to happen to my grandmother, but actually seeing it happen was very very traumatic for me. I remember when we had to put her in an assisted living home instead of the unassisted where she was living and very happy and going over there. And it was it was more than I could bear to to see because it was just it was just so upsetting. It was just you could I guess because she could project that sadness, I could feel it. And. She would cry about things like, you know, I don't know how to sign my name anymore. And, mm. and it just, it really, it really took a toll on me. I mean, that sounds so very simple, but like at the same time, th- like, like everybody, like, listen, take a second and think about that. Like, you can't remember how you sign your name. That's, that's something that we've all done hundreds of thousands of times, at, like since we were kids and like the idea that your brain is so fucked up that it could just be like, Oh, sorry, we don't remember that anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not cool, man. Like that's, that that's the existential dread I, I referred to. And it's just like, cause you're not going to know that's coming. Yeah. There's not going to be like a countdown in your brain where like, Oh, I better sign all these checks. Cause I'm not going to be able to at noon. Yeah. Like it just fucking happens. And just the fact that you can forget that. Like, I, that yeah, never even yeah. occurred to me that, that I, you know, I'm thinking of all the things I could forget. I assume I would like forget who signed the Declaration of Independence, but like I didn't assume I'd forget how to sign my name. 
and it just it makes you scared for like paperwork and stuff as you get older. Or am I am I signing the right thing? Or <laughs> yeah, I mean honestly, like you get to a point that if I told you right now, if like if right now everybody was just like, dude, what are you talking about? Your name is not Ryan Perio. You've never been Ryan Perio. That is absolutely like what like is this a bit, dude? Like, mm-hmm. dude, your name's Kurt. Your name's Kurt Thompson. It always has been ever since I've known you. Funny thing, that's my that's probably my biggest nightmare I've ever had in my life. And, and like the thing is, like I, I feel for you because the mm-hmm. truth of the matter is, if I wasn't just doing a bit right now, you would have no way of knowing mm-hmm. if that was actually true or not. Well, when I was twenty five, I had like I had this nightmare. I had two nightmares on two nights, and they were probably like they their dreams. I guess to, to this day still haunt me. One of them was I was at my job at one point like we're all in the in the office and all of a sudden like it's like a fire for a brief moment and then nothing and then I'm frantically trying to talk to people and no one can hear me and so I'm talking and no one acknowledges me and that's I'm, fucking terrifying and dude. I'm like literally like I'm not dead I'm waking up screaming I'm not dead that will haunt me for the rest of my life that dream, it was my first preparation for, oh, there is a finite end to this partying lifestyle. And then, like I said, a couple nights later, I dreamed, you know, that I was trying to call my dad and his husband answered. And he's like, your dad's been dead for three years. Oh, my God. That's awful, dude. That's a fucking Twilight Zone episode. Yeah. And so I wake up and I call my dad's office. First, I don't. I get an automated voicemail, so I'm wigging out a even more. Then I realize I misdialed his number. Call his number. Heard his voicemail, and then laid back down and kind of shrugged it off. But yeah, they were, it was in, it was intense. It was an intense wake up. I was like, it was like six in the morning, and I would just dial my dad's work. It's like he won't be there yet. And you're like crawling like a cold sweat over yeah. it, like thinking like the worst thing has happened. Yeah. Dude, and I, I, uh, I think to some extent, like the more we advance technologically speaking, the worse it becomes because, like, then you get into this whole fucking. I mean, like, if we wanted to get like real, like, you know, wee hours of the morning stoner talk, we could talk about the idea that this whole damn thing that we're doing right now is a big simulation. But at the same time, when like the prevalence of like AI starts to come into place and like you get these TV shows, like there's a show on Amazon Prime called Upload. And it's essentially about how, like, when we die, you could upload your personality into, like, this digital world and, like, just continue to live forever. And it's just, like, at a certain point, that becomes, like, just terrifying because you're, like, how would you know if, for instance, like, somebody didn't want you to know, like, you went through some traumatic experience where you died Mm -hmm. in some horrible way. And they're, like, well, uh, your loved ones have the option, like, you can let him, like, die or you can put his brain into some like you know mm-hmm. futuristic sci-fi bullshit where he thinks he's the happiest person ever. He's actually gonna make it in comedy. Uh, that's the real rub. But uh, you know, like that type of stuff gets even more scary because with the technology advancing, there's more and more ways that this all could be absolute rubbish and not actually real in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, it's like Vanilla Sky. Like I've never hundred percent like Vanilla Sky, yeah. I've I've never watched that movie full through. Like I've seen the first second, and then I've seen like the last bit where it, people came to his funeral or whatever. That I was like, oh, not gonna see this. I I've seen it a couple times, and it's a weird trippy movie for sure. Yeah, that and 
what was the other one? One with Robin Williams that I freaking like. I've ne- I'll never watch it again because it made me cry so much. What was the one where he where he di- where she dies and then he dies? Oh oh oh! Uh, what dreams may come? Yes. Oh fuck yeah. that movie. Yeah, dude. If you wanna if you wanna like you know work through your depression, uh, one way or the other, uh, you can watch that movie. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, this is two hours of the first 30 minutes of Up. <laughs> Dude, I cried during the movie Jack with Robin Williams. So, like, the Bison, or I'm sorry, the uh, the What Dreams They Come, like, destroys me. Yeah, that destroyed me. I'm like, does this movie have a happy ending? This. <laughs> so, it, it's very, it's, it's super terrifying at some nights. It's one of those fears that it just lies in wait for you to, like, oh, can't sleep? Here you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, again, I think like the the real end of the day problem with this whole this whole fear situation is that you literally have no way of knowing if it's happening or not. I, I don't I do not get the impression that people that are schizophrenic or delusional or you know just losing it in any way, shape, or form are aware of the fact that they are doing so in most in most cases. Yeah, I would definitely. I I feel like I it's it's. I ha- you you're kind of fortunate because you have a partner that you don't you don't have a barometer to see how crazy you are. Yeah. Like you have a you have a wife that's like honey like they they'll, they'll probably squeeze <laughs> they'll squeeze your arm like settle down. This is not, you know we'll, t- we'll she'll let you know honestly hey this isn't something you've done before. It's actually the opposite. She's just like, no, you are in fact batshit crazy. <laughs> well, but she, but you know, it's the batshit crazy she knows. If it's if it, if, <laughs> if, it, if, it, if that batshit, it's not a different uncomfortable batshit crazy. Yeah, if it's a batshit crazy she hasn't seen before, she may, you know, she would notice it and probably bring it to your attention. Sure. Yeah. Hundred percent. Yeah. Being isolated only makes it worse, and that's definitely isolation is the feeling I would describe as uh, how it was when I was like, you know, growing up because I'm an only child. So I didn't have like somebody else to to bounce off like, hey, is mom being nuts right now? Or is this like, you know, how things are supposed to be? Like, I just had to essentially analyze myself. And as we already already discussed, my friends all loved my mom, thought she was the greatest. Oh, my God, she doesn't make you follow rules. This is fantastic. Why don't we hang out here more often? Uh, type of stuff and you know it just very much gives you this like free range to let you fully explore your crazy yeah my mom worked all the time so I, I stayed a lot with my grandmother and grandparents but I also spent a lot of time just isolated mm-hmm. uh, very much so same and so I, I kind of crave it at times there's a you know certain if it wasn't for my imaginary friend i don't know what i would have done no i'm yeah i didn't actually have one but it, it's just one of those things where you it, at some point you even crave it like it's like oh mm-hmm. i need to get back into you know i need to center myself i need to sit in my room by myself listen to music yeah yeah like like there's a part of you i think or like speaking for myself exclusively there's definitely a part of me that i think that there's times where i just want to push literally everyone in my life away and like just like let me just be isolated for a minute with my own thoughts because i promise you i'm having enough conversation just up here Mm -hmm. that i don't need you to be a part of this right now (laughs) well i have something i don't know what it is i'm just not willing to spend the money to find out because it's like i'm 43 Whatever it is yeah. at this point, I'm pretty set. And you've, you've come to terms with it. We have, well, it's like, what do they? What can they tell me? Well, this is why you're here. You know, 
And so it this is could, why you have a successful comedy career, yeah. my friend. You it don't could, need to pay to find that out. Yeah, you know, it could be Asperger's. It could be some sort of high functioning autism. But just knowing what it is makes all the difference because I, for a long time, I was not social. I was very up and down. I would say because I didn't know what was wrong, so I would be afraid to get into relationships. Like, pre-2017, I was terrified, you know, to, to be open with somebody because I didn't know what was going on inside, and I didn't know where the... You don't the, know what you were going to let out if you yeah. opened up. Well, it was just like, I didn't know where this weird anger is coming from. I don't know where yeah. all, all of a sudden this instant turn on of anger i used to have a lot of holes in my apartment too bro i get it yeah and so it's like (laughs) it's like i don't want to bring somebody else into this i don't want to risk one day not being able to control it and her being in the path of it sure and so i work tirelessly you know and then one day a national headliner came through and he hang hung out for an after party and mentioned that hey you're autistic or something like that like he just said that to me he was drunk and <laughs> we were just hanging another out. another word for honest yeah and out first i was just mortified i left you know thinking you know how you know what did i do how how awful is this person that you would say this to me and then i started looking up asperger's and i'm like hmm <laughs> Somebody that, you know, has all the gifts that I do, has great memory or, you know, some other kind of hard, you know, really solid academia that you think could really be successful and then, you know, would then fail all their classes or, you know, has all the gifts to excel at my job, but never really, you know, puts themselves in a position to excel. So they always do something that's that shoots them in the foot or they have one little thing or instead of being able to balance all five things and excel, they can balance three can constantly. It's two different. It's different things will just completely dip. And so once he told once I kind of figured out what it is, it was like a great weight was lifted on my shoulder. So I started reading more on it. I have all these, you know, Asperger therapy books and all about just removing triggers like video games yeah i remember you talking about that like video games would would like make you more angry than satisfied yeah at the rage button when i would lose over and over again when i keep yeah. trying to and i couldn't get past it the frustration level it would just it would kick that rage button in and it would be almost irrational and that's when i <laughs> thanks siri and <laughs> that's when I would just lose it. And I, and then I would be exhausted. I would just be, I literally had to sit down or lay down because I would just be so overwhelmed. And that's what I realized is I'm overstimulating myself. And so now when I have those moments, I'm like, okay, what's the stimulus? What's What can I do to reduce the amount yeah. of like things happening right what's now? Pushing, what's pushing on my, on my brain right now that's making me feel this way? And because I'm in a better place, it makes me in a better place to do what I do instead of having a rate, you know, just weird rage things about certain things. And then, you know, oh, being overstimulated saying, well, you did this on your weekend. I can't book you anymore or, you know, using that emotion mm-hmm. in a negative way 
or, you know, way, you know, just it's it just became a whole lot clearer. And it's like if I knew this now when I was in my 20s, how different life could have been. Dude, that's a thought I have a lot of like, like I, I, I've seen the question asked like things like if you could have a million dollars today or if you could go back, it'd be 10 years old, but you have like all the knowledge of like what you currently have. Like there's so much value and like the like that I would say it's like a, a fantasy of time travel that, you know, exists of the idea of being able to go back and like relive your younger years with the knowledge of what you have today, especially like, I mean, going back to what I talked about on this podcast, like I wish there was a way like to some extent that I could go back and tell that like, you know, terrified middle schooler, like, Hey man, you're fine. It's okay. It's, you're going to be all right. Eventually like that Mm -hmm. type of thing sounds nice. And, and then also like invest in Google, but, uh, (laughs) like, you know, um, yeah, like, you know, if there was some money in that stock market, you know, on these goofy ass fruit names, but um cuz I'm 43. At the same time, like I said, you know, I think that we develop so much our personality, our sense of humor mm-hmm. and our skills that like we have brought into adulthood from those hard times that we experienced when we were younger and I know only children always get such a bad rap. I'm sure you've experienced this your whole life as well, where it's just like, oh, I bet you were spoiled as hell. <laughs> yeah. And like, to some extent, they're not wrong. Like I was definitely spoiled, but like, I always talk about like, my mom would be like, she would buy me something and then she would like hold that over my head. And like, I did anything that was remotely outside of like how she felt like the puppet string should go while controlling my life. And uh, I can guarantee you, while yes, I probably got a PlayStation before you did, it wasn't worth the emotional trauma in so many ways. Yeah. Well, I my joke is, is I wasn't spoiled. I was tortured. It's yeah, yeah. Because I got, I did, I did every, I did get a lot of board games. Guess what? Not one friend to play them with. Not one. <laughs> yeah. Mousetrap sucks by yourself, dude. It's it the fucking really worst. <laughs> you just do it once. You're like, oh. That's uh, that's that. And the cage doesn't stick regardless of how many players you have. That bitch yeah. falls constantly. Yeah. And no one in your family wants to play. And so. Mm-mm. But yeah, as an only child, that really does. It does kind of imprint on you. Like, is this normal? And I, I there are there are joys to it, like. You know, people are like, well, you, you know, their argument is you never had to share, you know, and I'm like, yeah, maybe I didn't get have to share ice cream, but I wish I could have shared blame. Like, <laughs> yeah, 100 percent. Like when I said uh, a that, lot, there's a lot of toys. It, it turns out it's better with two players. Yeah. I didn't know Milton Bradley were two people. I thought it was one guy <laughs> named Milton Bradley, but it's Milton and the Bradley. shitty, the shittiest name ever. Yeah. But no, it turns out that's just two half shitty names. It's two dudes just having the time <laughs> of their lives inventing all these cool ass games that I never understood yeah. how they worked. Yeah. The, like, honestly, the worst one's probably hungry, hungry hippos. Cause best case scenario, you can only ever play with two of them at once. Yeah. It's just, just an eating disorder. <laughs> I had that too, man. We can come back and talk about those on another episode. Yeah, but that's what hungry hippos is when you're an only child. It's just an eating disorder. Just... It's just binge eating, and then when you like get it out, that's the purge. Yeah, one hippo just eating all the marbles. And... <laughs> <laughs> it's like that. What was it, Wreck-It Ralph? When you're feeding the rabbit pancakes, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what Hungry Hungry Hippos was for us. Just one hippo just looking at all these marbles like, please, no more. I had a buddy that had that really dope hockey game. It was like the tabletop hockey, hockey thing, kind of like foosball, but like where you're controlling the hockey players around or whatever. It. Yo, see? Dope, right? But it sucks when you're by yourself. Yeah. Like, it's fucking pointless. Yeah. <laughs> you lose just the little tiny puck. I'd still want one of those again. That that game was so fun. One day, dude, we need to go head to head. I used to be all right at it. It's been it's been a few years, but we'll see if that comes back like muscle yeah. memory. I wish I had the one at the arcade with the the whole dough with the USA and Russia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I make my dad play that when we went to the arcade. I would, <laughs> oh, that was the that was the game I wanted to play at all. I think time. he played till seven. Yeah, like first first person to score seven, or maybe it was like yeah. best of seven points. Yeah, and then. Skee-ball champion. The, the Skee-ball is a game you can play by yourself, but like that's like the crux of what it is to be an only child. You're always yeah. playing games that involve a high score, and literally you're just playing against your own high score. Yeah. Like It's like every game turns into golf when you're yeah. an only child. Yeah. It's redneck croquet. <laughs> that's what I call it. <laughs> well, Miles, I appreciate you talking about it. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, man, I'm really grateful for you inviting me on the show. This has been a lot of fun, dude. You know, honestly, I had so much fun. It feels like we did it twice. Yeah, it may have. (laughs) I feel like we did two in one. Yeah. So, Miles, where can people find you on social media? If since they won't be getting the video and seeing your backdrop. (laughs) Sure, Uh, I'm pretty much everywhere. I'm Mister Most Days Off, and uh, if you're a Simpsons fan, I do a weekly Simpsons podcast. It's the Best Darn Diddly Review Show, and that's D-I-D-D-L-Y. And how did you get Mr. Most Days Off as your moniker? So it's kind of a combination of things, but it's a parody of, like, my my very first uh, podcast I ever did was actually a wrestling podcast. I did uh, a review show on the show Lucha Underground, and uh, I was with a guy named Dr. His Chris Novembrino. Chris Novembrino, and he went by the the nickname Dr. Nov, and he's like, well, you got to have an on-air name. And there was a wrestler who had a gimmick, uh, Mr. No Days Off at the time, and I was unemployed. And uh, like, so I was like, well, Mr. Most Days Off seems like the perg of fit. And honestly, like, there's so much to that, like, uh, that goes on and on and on. But like, ultimately, uh, it kind of has morphed into like, even when I do jobs that I don't necessarily love, I don't do anything that I don't like doing. Like, I just, I, I there was a part of me at a certain point where I just quit doing jobs like, like that, that suck essentially. Like I'll work. I'm not afraid of hard work, but everything I do, if I do it, it's something that I enjoy. If I'm on a 14 hour day at a uh, commercial shoot, cool i a lot of it's grunt work but i'm having a time in my life and that, that's kind of where it's like adopted to so uh it started as a wrestling parody it's turned out as a uh, a mantra of life well that's awesome uh well i'm glad you're employed now even <laughs> mr you're actually mr no days off now but you're still mr <laughs> most days off on social media yes sir well i thank you for doing this miles we'll have thank you, you so ex- much for having man this has been a, a really good time So that was Miles Francis. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I thought it was a really good conversation. We've had it once before, but I tried to pigeonhole it in a phobia-type framework instead of actually working out a process for a looming fear like an existential crisis. 
as this is. I think it's a very relatable fear, especially when you feel like you're the only one that sees it. And so then you start to wonder, maybe is it just you? Or is it everybody else? It can make you feel miserable thinking that you're the only person that sees things a certain way. If you need, if you have to talk to somebody about that, please do. Please don't hold that that kind of fear in. Find someone to talk to, professional or otherwise, and just unload those feelings. Otherwise, it could be really detrimental to your mental health. I can't begin to describe how that possibly could do harm. Also, make sure you check out Miles and his podcast, The Best Darn Daily Review Show. It's a really interesting podcast. They go really in-depth on every Simpsons episode. It's not just a what happens in the episode. They kind of go through their feelings and things of that nature. Also, thanks for all of you that have listened to this show. I appreciate the listens and the, and the reviews. Keep them coming. They can only help. I hope you guys had a happy holiday season. I know this is kind of a just getting back to life kind of weekend where everything, the holidays have just kind of rolled over and it's just become an extended long weekend and just a lot of chaos and getting back to normal with Christmas presents, everything being handed out and a new year on the way. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a great time spending time with my family. It's a very different kind of year with COVID and everything else. I made sure I got COVID tested before I visited just to make sure I wasn't putting my loved ones in harm's way. Um, hopefully you guys got some cool gifts. I just got money, which is always a cool gift. Also, I've got some comedy shows coming up in January. I'll be at New Year's Eve. I'll be at Backdoor Comedy with their New Year's Eve show. And in late January, I'll be at Hyenas in Dallas with uh, Kevin Farley. Well, that does it for this week. Next week, I will be revealing episode 20, which is going to be the guest is going to be me. My friend Mallory interviewed me for one of my fears. And that's going to be episode 20. I'm going to show you that I'm also not immune to having being a guest on my own show. Look forward to that. Um, we'll talk again soon. Thanks for listening. And now some credits and thank yous for the people that make this show possible. Thanks to Barry Whitewater, who does my graphics and design for my comedy as well as my podcast. You can follow him on Instagram at bwhite2o. Get it, Whitewater. Also, a big thank you to Gunnar Olsen for my music. You can follow him on Instagram at gunbuns. That's G-U-N-B-U-N-S. You can also check out his website at gunnarolson.net. And you can check out his awesome EPs and some music he's got coming out. Real excited for him. If you want to follow me on social media, 
I am at Ryan Perio on all social media. It's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-R-I-O. If you want to follow the show, I highly recommend it. Instagram and Twitter is at Some Fear Fans. Facebook group is Some of All Fears. If you want to, if you have questions for the show or feedback, email me at somefearfans at gmail. If you want to be a guest on the show, also email me at somefearfans at gmail.com. We can make that happen. Please keep leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you listen to. I appreciate, I just appreciate seeing that people like what I'm putting out. So if you like what you hear, go ahead and leave a review. I appreciate all of you for listening. And next week, We'll have another guest with another fear. Thanks for listening to the Sum of All Fears. Bye.